Hello, I'm Steve, the retired criminal investigator with the Office of Special Investigations, the Air Force's federal law enforcement agency. I'm Hannah, his daughter, the amateur true crime enthusiast. I have always been fascinated with my dad's job, and I love starting conversations with him to learn more. Join us each week as we share these conversations with you and discuss a real criminal case that piques our interest. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to True Crime Archives this week. We are talking about Trent DeJuro. So he was from Goshen, Kentucky, which is located in Oldham County. He played football in high school and then in 1991 was a walk-on offensive lineman at the University of Kentucky. Just three days before his 21st birthday, on Sunday, July 17th, a little bit before 3 a.m., he was sitting on his porch talking with some friends while a party to celebrate his 21st birthday was winding down. His friends heard a loud bang, and when they looked back at Trent, he was slumped in his chair with blood coming from either side of his head. His friends heard a loud bang, and when they looked back at Trent, he was slumped in his chair with blood coming from the side of his head. Officer Don Evans would be the responding investigator with the Lexington Police Department, who would eventually become the lead investigator. He initially thought this would be a relatively easy investigation because of how many people were at the party. Of course, someone had to have seen or heard what happened. Uh, but after bringing everyone into the interview to be interviewed, he quickly realized that no one had any idea what happened. Everyone that was there also was tested for gunshot residue, but no one tested positive. So initially, the idea was that someone had walked around the house and shot around the corner of the house and then took off behind that house. After discovering the gun that had been used was a 243 rifle, however, they realized it could have been shot from much farther away. So they did end up finding a spot across the street where it looked like, like a, what is it, a tripod? For a rifle, what is that called? Yeah, so a tripod is, because uh, I suspect a lot of people may have read this, a tripod is something that holds up the barrel of the rifle when you're laying flat in a prone position on the range or from a long distance, and it kind of just holds it up. So tripod means three three sort of prongs. Yeah. And, and, there's, and they, there's divots. There were like divots in the, in in the, grass. the, in the grass, and they said, hey, this, this looks like where they may have had a tripod. It was right across the street, too. Uh, so the investigation went down every avenue when they found that, you know, they had the rifle, they had the distance, at least across the street is what they were guessing. They went down every avenue they could think of. Uh, they even explored the thought that maybe Trent had been involved with drugs, but after digging into his past and talking to everyone in his life, they just could not find a single person who would want to hurt Trent or even a mm. motive or anything like that. Right. So that is kind of... A quick summary, summary. right? Uh, after all of that... Do we get the peel back now? What? Do we get the peel back the onion now? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> Go on. Keep going. I'm just so excited to talk about it. Uh, <laughs> what do you got for me? Go ahead. So <laughs> some corny dad jokes coming your guys' way. <laughs> I'm surprised it took this many episodes. It kind of goes uh, to a cold case for a few years after this. You know, they explore... All of what, like so what year was that again? Nineteen. This is nineteen ninety four. Ninety four. Yes, nineteen ninety four. They do everything that they can think of. They talk to everyone in his life. They, you know, he was a really popular kid. He had a lot of friends. He liked to have friends, make friends with everyone. He wasn't just like one type of person kind of guy. He loved everyone. So they had a lot of people to talk to, and they just could not find a single mm -hmm. single thing. So it was a cold case for a few years, and then. On the fifth anniversary of his death, an article was actually written that sparked some new leads, including one that came from a attorney. So this attorney contacted the police and was like, hey, I have, you know, an anonymous tip. This person wants to stay anonymous. They don't want to, you know, release who they are. Uh, but you should be looking at Shane Ragland. And that's the name. Oh, wow. They, yeah. <laughs> so let, let's so up until then. You know the police did everything possible. So let's let's back it up for a second. I think there was about thirty or forty people at the the party, and so the police are thinking, "Hey, this we got witnesses. Somebody heard, you know, saw something." So they would immediately would have grabbed everybody and sort of started separating them and ask them, 
what did you hear? What did you see? What do you know? What do you know could go off in eight different directions and, and provide them a, a lead? And they quickly realized that nobody saw anything and everybody heard a the like loud like a, bang like yeah. a like <coughs> a car backfire which is not uncommon in, in a gunshot yeah uh, so and the same time the police had their theory that a gunman because if you if you're standing on the street and you're looking at the house the it, it's a typical house it's got a porch and then to the right right butt up next against the house is the driveway mm-hmm. so that was the theory the police thought well it was a handgun someone jumped from the side, shot him, and then ran into the backyard. But the ballistics came back and said it was a, a, a rifle. Correct? Yeah, a two forty three rifle. A two forty three rifle. So that what that did is that, that killed their theory. But that's okay. You you know, you have to start somewhere. You have to have some sort of theory. But what it also did is it expanded the, the crime scene. So they said, Well, how far back can a can a rifle, can a two forty three caliber uh, a shoot from so that's when they expanded the the crime scene and they started uh, looking and then they found that uh, that mound on the, on the behind a tree it was like in someone's yard someone's yard right which right. I, like i don't understand how people you, don't notice yeah, well r- remember it was yard. like it was like really late at night i think yeah, yeah it was so. yeah right before 3 a.m that's true so this also does something for the police hannah this so somebody crawled in behind this tree no, picture them, the tripod we talked about. Mm-hmm. They're setting up this tripod, boom, boom, getting comfortable. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, all right, hey, very good, very good. <laughs> so they're thinking about this, and they have time to not to think about not committing this this murder. Mm-hmm. So a- absolutely, this is. He also s- had to have, have uh, some faith in his aim. Uh, well, that he was going to shoot the right person and no one else, or that he was going to even a- absolutely, and you know the tripod certainly helps. So, oh. um, the fact that you know about a tripod or you have a tripod on your rifle that that's suggestive of how experienced you might be with the rifle. Of course, they never talk about that in this case, but yeah. it, it, it's um, it's Kentucky. I think a lot of people hunt there, uh, but that it just it, it just starts to tell the police that. Somebody was targeting him specifically, and they were thinking about this, and they planned it out. Yeah, so which early on, that was the theory, too, is that they figured that he was targeted. But they had no leads. They, I, I mean, again, everybody, nobody knew anything. No, so the other thing is you mentioned that they couldn't find anyone that would have a reason to kill uh, Trent. Mm-hmm. So the next thing the police have to do is they have to sort of dig into the background of of the victim there and which and is why th- where yeah. they were like oh, maybe drugs yeah they explore everything mm-hmm. and, and this is not pleasant sometimes for the family because you yeah. find out especially for a, a, a younger member of the family because you start to find out things but that wasn't the case they witnesses friends you know they loved him uh, he was a big guy, tough guy. He always stuck up for the whole the whole group. Um, he stuck up for everyone. For everyone. Yeah. Um, he he's just a good all around guy. And and if you watch the shows, the TV shows that air this episode, that air this this case, you know he their friends are probably in their forties now, I think, and they're still emotional and and when they're talking about him and how much he meant to them so you could see it you well know. we'll get to this at the end but the foundation that was set up in his name the mm-hmm. coach is act actually the football coach from Ken- university of kentucky mm-hmm. he's still very active in that foundation well, from what i was reading it, and it's interesting too another point the so the coach showed up the next day mm-hmm. to the house with all the football players with too. all the football players to con- kind of console them yeah. you know i suspect so you know we've talked about this before about people get in the way in the investigation you always ask me that one and uh, you know yeah you you'd prefer people to stay out but sometimes things can help and sure if, if the coach is there consoling people and maybe if he could find out some information that that would help but that there's just no information no indication that anybody knew anything what, why would someone want to hurt trent it, i mean that was that was the background so they yeah. they just kept coming up with a dead end why would somebody because Sometimes if you go backwards, you know, oh, well, he had an enemy over here or he owed someone money or he was dealing drugs. Then you can backtrack why somebody wanted him killed and then you could sort of narrow down 
potential suspects, but it just wasn't the case with with this. He was yeah. very well like he was a football star, so this was his senior year, and uh, all the all the fraternities, by the way, a little foreshadow, all the fraternities wanted to recruit him but he didn't want to be and that goes back to what i said he didn't want to be a part of a fraternity because he wanted to be friends with everyone yeah he just wanted to be friends he didn't want to be isolated to one social group and he was from what what i read he he was um he was and he had some particular friends in one particular fraternity well and the football star thing is kind of a cool story too because like i said he was a walk-on so he didn't he you know he didn't get the what was i don't know how it works no, like the you're scholarship right. nope. he had to try out uh for the football team and he did so good like they he ended up getting on the team he did mm-hmm. really good uh, but he didn't get real like playing time until his junior year right. and then he was getting ready to actually start he was going to be a starter. No, he, w- he was a starter, right? Yeah. For, he was get, that was right before. For the senior year. For, right, yeah, right before right. the senior year. So he was going to be a starting player that senior year. And he, he worked hard to get there, right? Right, so, yeah. So walk on, that's a pretty big deal. Those are the stories you like to hear. Yeah. You know, he walked. So out of high school, you get recruited and you get accepted and you get scholarships. Right. But then at the beginning of the season, sometime in the summertime, I'd imagine, you, can, like, try out. you, you have tryouts mm-hmm. and they'll take X amount of, of players. And that's what a walk on is. So and he worked his butt off to uh, get to where where he was at. It was very important to him. Yeah. Um, well, Kentucky, University of Kentucky was important to him, <laughs> yeah, too, because that's yeah. that's a really big school. Like yep. They're really big on the sports and football and stuff. So. All right, so it's been cold, and how many years has gone by? So it's going to be on the fifth anniversary, fifth anniversary. of his death, so and article is written. So 1999, mm-hmm. the article was written, and the local t- TV station sort of re-energized the story as well, and tips started coming in, and a local lawyer calls and says, you should be looking at Shane, Shane Ragland. Ragland. Yes, Right. Uh, which he actually in went to school at the University of Kentucky. Yep, he with sure did. With Trent. This is where the police say, okay, let's look into Shane Ragland. They, um, I believe, had spoken to him previously because they were acquaintances. Uh, they knew each other, so they had spoken to him before. They went down into the background, and again, they weren't really finding a connection or a motive until they went to speak to one of... Uh, Trent's friends Mm -hmm. and they didn't you know write out ask him about Shane Raglan he was just like asking about different friends like re-interviewing him and uh, the friend ends up telling them a story about Shane wanting to get into a fraternity so it's SAE right so that's um I don't know Greek but I have it written down it's like Sigma Alpha something (laughs) Sigma Alpha Epsilon for, yeah. for you. I, I never, I didn't do the, the Greek life in college. Yeah. Um, I, I remember when you and I w- visited in colleges, you, you said, hey, that's kind of neat, Dad. Like you, you saw, you did a little, uh, a little um, seminar on Greek life and, and you see, you don't even remember you, uh, one of the colleges we went to and you're like, oh, I that's think it was neat. Lynchburg. It was oh, the Lynchburg? college yeah. I went yeah. to. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and you said, oh, that's kind of neat. And then it was just, it was something that. Yeah. Probably faded away. But Dad, you were in the military when you were in college, so of course you didn't do Greek life. Yeah. That's the one that's important. Uh, Trent had good friends in SAE. Yes, really close friends. And Shane wanted desperately. He was like rushing. That's yeah. what he was. So he was like pledging or whatever. He was trying to yeah, get pledging. in. He was going through that. It, his he had he comes from a particular pedigree. His dad was a pretty wealthy businessman. Very big and businessman in the area. Like the largest real estate developer mm-hmm. or leaser to the u.s government in kentucky they had money and he also had ties to that to the school and, and that so that fraternity to him was very very important he thought it was sort of an additional linchpin or means to success afterwards so if i had that on my resume i, I i'm i'm good to go i you know i have the ring i you know i'm in the in the group so that's right. that was important whereas going to be a life and death Where, importance yeah. to him. Yeah, whereas Trent, I, I just want to be friends with everybody. Yeah, he just wanted to play football, have friends, whatever. Okay. But again, like we said, so this is going to come into play, he was very protective of people. He was protective yep. of his friends, girls, everyone. So the story that his friend from SAE tells the police is that they were all hanging out and Shane Raglan sees a, a picture of a girl that I guess he 
dated. It was, a, it was a calendar. It was like, it was it a calendar? Yeah, it was like a charity calendar thing, girls on campus type of thing. Right. So he sees that and he's kind of like bragging, like, "Oh, I dated her. I took her out. Whatever." And yeah, I, I appreciate in this father daughter <laughs> podcast that you're being nice about that, <laughs> but it was a little bit more than that. But yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So he's bragging, right? Like guys do, and uh, tr- that girl is actually the president's current girlfriend the so the president, president of, SAE, of sae right and trent's friend so trent yep. is friend with the friends with the president and friends with the girl so trent just looking out uh said something to the president well actually like, hey. his friend said something to the president right, right his you're friend right. said something Sorry, to the president you're right. right the friend so then they have the list of pr- pledges i remember now yes and they cross off shane raglan they blackballed name. him yeah yeah he's done so uh, Shane Ragland ends up going after the friend. He's like, hey, like you ruined this, blah, blah, blah. And that's when Trent steps in and goes, yeah, goes no. no, like if you're going to be mad at someone, pick on me like that. I'm and that's the story. Like when you hear about the background that that didn't surprise the right. detectives because, well, that's what all his friends told us. So w- that that's not a story that's not. Bl- I mean, that that makes sense. He probably right. did do that. He said, he no, nope, nope, that was me. I went and did that. Right. Uh, oh, no, you know what? I'm sorry. I think you are right. I think Trent did go to the president, but Shane like Sh- Shane something. blamed it on the friend. Right. That's what right, it was. Right. I'm sorry. So Trent did go to the president yeah. of the SAE, but Shane automatically thought it was the friend because he told yeah. the friend the story. Well, when they were in the room, I don't think Shane really like knew Trent. He knew the other right. friend, so he just assumed right. it was the other friend. And then that's like, when why would someone you don't know? You're say right. That? And then that's when Trent stepped in and said, "No, no. If you're gonna be mad, be mad at me. I'm the one that did that." Right. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So it was a very unfortunate situation. All right. So the police are digging into to, um, Shane Raglan. And they so they find this, and this yeah, is kind this of this is motive, right? So this is what has been missing this whole time. Yep. Motive. They haven't had any idea what the motive could be. So this to them is like, okay, he's this big prominent, you know, guy's son. SAE is super important to him. This this could be a motive. Right. right. So they got the list. So the police actually got the list from SAE, the list of pledges, and they saw Shane's name crossed off it, mm-hmm. and they hear their story. So now the connection that they're looking for between the two is SAE. Right. right. So because he, they I mean they may not know each other. So they have to they have to f- develop why Shane Raglan knows Trent DeGiro. Right. So that happens, that's their motive, yep. okay? So now they're really but they gonna, now they're really going to target uh so now they're saying we we got a target. We have someone we need to dig even deeper on. Right. But they need more. They can't oh yeah, really yeah, just right, go you're right, like You're right talk to him right right they need more because so they call that lawyer back right they call the lawyer back oh and they did say we say it was a lawyer that yes, was uh, okay. yeah i said that so they call the lawyer back and he's police officer is like listen <laughs> please give me something <laughs> please i'm begging you um so the lawyer ends up giving the name um it is actually shane's ex-girlfriend amy lloyd Mm-hmm. So uh, they reach out to Amy Lloyd. This is a girlfriend post-graduation from University of Kentucky. So you know. they were dating in 1995. So they oh. met and dated, yeah, only a year after okay. the murder. Okay. They, you know, reach out to Amy Lloyd, and she tells them that they were in a bar in April of 1985 discussing the worst things they both have ever done. So it's just like first date, second date, mm-hmm. whatever. They're just like shooting the shit talking about the worst things i've ever done there <laughs> right i've called? never really heard of yeah. the worst things i've ever done but yeah. like i don't do terrible terrible yeah things. you don't kill people <laughs> yeah i don't know why i i'm curious as to what she what her what she offered for the conversation yeah. he you know says this they're talking and he tells her that he w- killed trent DeJuro. he says i'm the one that killed him uh she doesn't believe him they go back to his place and he actually shows her the rifle that he used mm-hmm. The 243 rifle. After this, she was kind of like, uh, she tried to forget the conversation. Um, and then, you know, they did end up still dating, but she tried to push the conversation mm-hmm. back. She tried to forget it. And then the article was published. So they end up breaking up. They don't date for very long. And she was still living with this knowledge. So the the, the, the five year anniversary, right. you're talking about the, the stories and everything. So she yeah. sees the article, and she sees, she sees the news, the TV. And she and sees the parents, uh, I guess. Yeah. The parents talking on the tv and it just gets to her yeah so that's when she decides to go to her friend she has a friend who's a lawyer and she's like look i want to stay anonymous 
clearly afraid of Shane. Mm. She's like, I want to stay anonymous, I, but I need to get this off my chest. I need to tell someone. So that's when the lawyer goes to the police. So the police recontact the lawyer, and then he convinces her to come forward and talk to the police? Yes. So he convinces her. Okay. Um, And then, so that is in January of 2000. Okay. July of 2000. The uh, Amy Lloyd, the girlfriend, the ex-girlfriend, uh-huh. she ends up agreeing to help the police record conversations with her and Shane. Ah, uh, sting. That's like a sting. <laughs> yeah. So she's gonna wear a wire. Yeah. <laughs> also, though, they have to kind of set it up because she's no longer living there, so she has to say she's on like a business trip and she has a layover yep. in Lexington. And uh, when I was watching the episode, the the investigator was like, "No, this was back when you could like go up to the gate." And I totally yeah, forgot that no, was a no, thing. No, I forgot a that point, was a yeah. real thing. You're right. So they have to give her, they have to help her come up with a cover story, mm-hmm. right? Why would she be doing this? They probably also sat with her and said, hey, would it be unusual if you called him and said, hey, I'm back in town or I'm coming through? Can we get together? They would have asked her all those questions. Well, they they would have said, if, like, how did you break it off? If it was a hard break and and it would have been really unusual, they might not have done it. They well, she started emailing him before this happened, and yeah. she started rebuilding ah, a connection yeah. with him. Yeah, they they have to. They set were that like up. flirting. Yeah, so she was rebuilding, like rekindling. Hey, what's that? going on? And with social right. media nowadays, that's that's easier to do. Two 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 thousand. Well, this was in two thousand. Yeah, this was in two thousand. Uh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> never mind. this was in two thousand. So she is rebuilding, rekindling, Mm -hmm. and then when they get to a place where they feel comfortable about being like, hey, I have a layover, come to Lexington, (laughs) or come to the airport, Lexington Yeah, hey, and and he goes, yeah, sure, I'll I'll do it. (laughs) I mean, of course we want people to get caught, but sometimes I'm like, (laughs) they're not very smart about it. So this is in July of 2000, so July 12th, FBI Special Agent Gary Miller actually obtains a warrant to search the Frankfurt residences, which is Shane Raglan's parents. So before this <laughs> before all that, sting yeah. operation is going to happen. So now the FBI is involved now. Right. Which, why? I don't know. I was going to ask you that. Why would they be? <laughs> uh, you know, is it I because she's traveling? No, I, I don't I don't know. And um, I can't remember. what. So... There's any number of reasons to bring the FBI in. It, the police department could be... A, I think Lexington Police Department is probably pretty big. I think it's a yeah. big city, big college town. Yeah. Um, so. Mm, that's interesting. Yeah. So they uh, get the search warrant, and then July 13th is when this whole thing goes down. She meets Ragland, and she secretly records their conversation. Now... <laughs> yeah, so the police set that all up right you have to right there's certain approvals and, and things like that and in the so everybody understands so airport. depending on the state you're in you know you can record two-party conversation as long as one party consents to it that that type of thing uh so they set her up and they you know the recording devices are so small and they can hide it it's not even funny so i'm assuming kentucky is a one party uh, yeah pr- probably <laughs> we have to look that i didn't look that up or because this was because that's not challenged in this in this case so it was legit um, but the thing is, with the woman, you got a purse too. You can put the recording device in a purse. I mean, there's all kinds of things y- you can do. So. They set it was a coffee shop inside the airport. They set it up the day before, so there was actually a bunch of cops in the coffee shop with her. Yeah, they were employees. Yeah. They they were you know waitstaff. They, they were hanging out. Yeah, they had it all planned. Right. Wh- which is, I mean, this is a homicide case, so um, you know, they 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 went all out with it. Yeah, seems pretty big and stealthy for two thousand. Uh, no, I no. I don't know, and this is just basic. So they have, they had FBI and police in in there sitting down at the tables, and they had part of the staff as well. So the idea here, this is what's important for everybody to understand, and this is going to come out here a little bit later. This person, this young lady, has agreed to work with the police mm-hmm. because someone confessed to murdering somebody to her. So her life is in extreme danger mm-hmm. uh, from this point forward. So. The guts it took to just commit to that, I mean, I don't think most people could fathom that. So I'm appreciative of the fact that the police and FBI in this case took that serious Mm -hmm. and they took this serious and they didn't leave her hanging. Now, it was in an airport, so they had 
a lot more controlled and it was just like a regular um well restaurant i think out out in town i think it's pre 911 too yeah so uh, that's a good point so <laughs> <laughs> no i mean it's a little yeah. bit more control so um they just flooded the place with with cops <laughs> when you're reading about this it sounds like there's not one other patron in the darn place yeah it, that's how they made all, it seem it's all cops that's what i took that i took that so I'm like, did no one walk in while they were, like who was working? Was people were, were was an actual employee making coffee? Well, or was it a no, cop they, making they coffee? Had, they had to, they had to, because he was he had to go there. So it had a had to be real, it had yeah. to be uh, real. Wow. Um, unless unless maybe I mean you don't get those details because you're not gonna give up like police departments that kind of stuff is not public information, right? And it's right. not it's probably not all discoverable for the court case. There's this tradecraft and things like that so it's possible the entire place was all cops <laughs> um cool. you know and then it's possible they lined up the employees say if you don't want to be a part of this you don't have to work yeah, of course yeah. it, you'd be like i'm in <laughs> i'm in i'm serving the, i'm serving them beer i don't know you never know what could happen because <laughs> it is about to get a little dicey in a second yeah. <laughs> okay so what happens so they're talking and she you know subtly brings up the conversation from what i read okay so we're going to talk about this from what i read she basically just says, you know, I need to know how you're feeling about what happened all those years ago. If I'm going to continue with this, like, how are you feeling? Do you feel remorseful? Whatever. He says, I regret it. That's it. That's all he says. Yeah. So we have like, the, <laughs> we have the transcript. Right. Mm -hmm. And here's what she says. Something has been bothering me. Something that you told me a long time ago. I wish you never had. And I need to know how you feel about it now. And he says. So they haven't seen each other in a while now. Mm -hmm. That's what she says. And he says, I regret it. Mm -hmm. So he didn't deny anything. He didn't deny telling her something years ago. Right. But she didn't. That's so. And then she says, okay. Then she says, are you ever going to do anything about it? Just going to kind of let it go? I mean, can you live with yourself? And then he says, I don't have any choice. Do I? Again, not not holding up the hand saying, what, you, what the hell are you talking about? I don't have any idea what you're talking about. Like, even if he thought, oh, my God, she brought this back up. I need to deny it. He's not doing that at this point. But, like, they could be talking about their breakup. Come on. Which is going to end up being in a the defense. And then, and then he says, okay, that's true. But why would he say this next? Let me ask you a question. You're not setting me up, are you? And she says, I've never told anybody. And then he says, I'm getting this weird vibe. I never told anybody, she says. And then he says, swear to me you're not going to set me up. She changed the subject. So she she actually adjusted on the fly really, really good. She sensed it was getting stressful. Okay, never mind. You know, she she broke it up. But, yeah, so you're right. They could have been talking yeah, about anything. But why, why would he say, you're not setting me up, are you? Yeah, why would he say that? But the rest of the conversation can totally oh. be picked apart. You're right. That That's... <laughs> So they have a witness. I didn't like that. I they was like, come on, give me a little bit more. Y you know, I didn't necessarily... I, I would have wanted a little bit more, too. Yeah. Um. So then leading into the next thing that happens, right? Okay, and that was terrifying when he was like, mm -hmm. you're not setting me up. So the next day, July 14th, he is arrested and charged with murder. And at the very same time, they are executing those search warrants that they had. Yep, smart business. Right, that's awesome. But... How is that enough? <laughs> I get that they have a witness, but that conversation, that recorded conversation, kind of seemed irrelevant. Like it was kind of like an unnecessary step because right. I, I. So don't they, know, have I don't think that a they have a witness. There's a lot. They have a witness that comes forward. She comes forward through the lawyer at first, wants to be anonymous, and, you know. So they're they're they probably validated that she was. Uh, uh, an ex-girlfriend, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. They probably re yeah. re reviewed that and said, okay, well, an ex-girlfriend could be credible. And she tells him this story. We were playing this game and, you know, what's the worst mm -hmm. thing you did? And, and you know, that, that story is just not not something that is... I mean, I believe that story. Uh, yeah, it's like not I something... Said. Like, why would you make that up? Right. And all of a sudden, you come out of, out of the clear blue with, with that, right? I mean... So I they have a witness who said, this guy confessed me. Okay, so now they put her in front of him with the wire... And confront him, and he, again he didn't deny. But she didn't anything. say what it <laughs> was, know, so she, there was nothing for him to deny. In my, what, 
what I'm hearing. Yeah, well, so she didn't come out and say anything. It, she just kind of like. No, you're right. The prosecutor obviously felt that that so she shut down the conversation because she felt that um it was it was getting a little dicey. He, he yeah. was going to keep pressing her. Are you working with the police? So she shut it down, which was smart. Obviously, they go to the the prosecutor and they say, "This is what we got," and they put it all together. And the prosecutor felt that it was enough evidence to to make an arrest. But I think it has to do with the fact that she was a witness. They found her to be credible, mm-hmm. and then he didn't deny, you know, telling her some big secret before. He didn't some say what the hell. What the, could have been what the heck? Because the, the the right answer should have been, "What are you talking about? What the hell are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about." They wouldn't have had anything. But he's saying again, "What do you say?" I regret it. I regret it. Which I don't believe. <laughs> he has not seemed remorseful at all. Can you live with yourself? Thing. I mean, so th- those are just those are things more conducive to having done something really bad. Having done something, but, but I, you're, yeah, so. I don't know. I the defense is going to bring that up and say that he was talking about something else, and I that's what I'm saying. I would have absolutely. Again, I'm not saying he should so get off. I'm not saying anything. I'm just I'm being. Uh, Okay, what do they get? At, what do they get? Looking at it from the other we'll side. We'll come back. We're going to come back to the witness. Uh, but what other evidence did he get now? So they're so they're interviewing him and they're searching at the same time. Right, and they do end up finding a two forty three rifle in his parents' house, which his dad or his mom, I believe, said that was his. So it was like at his house for some time, and then it was at his parents' house, and then right. it was back at his. And there was a lot of back and forth with the gun. Here's where it starts going bad for him, and the police start thinking, ah, I think we got our guy. This is good police work, so they're interviewing him, same time the search is going on, and they're relaying the information mm-hmm. back, wh- what they have. This is my favorite thing to do, right? Why is that good? Why Why is it good? Because they know what they found in in Real the house, time. right? And what they found was a 243. Is that the caliber? 243? Yeah. Well, so they're go- doing it at the same time, though, so right. why is that good? So they're just they're finding out in real time. Yeah, they're finding out in real time because they're asking him, um, "Do you own a gun?" And he says, "No, no, I don't own a gun, right?" And he says, "Well, we're searching your home right now. We found a mm-hmm, rifle. Gotcha. You can the, the the trouble with lying, you know, you can lie to bad guys in an interview. But the trouble with that is, hey, guess what? We're we found a gun in your home. No, you didn't, because I don't have any guns. And if you haven't been to the home yet." And then how many guns you get, you're going to be screwed. You're going to lose, you know. So there's a really funny, it's like it's quick sidetrack for everyone that likes shows like this. And I needed to tell you about <laughs> yeah. it because it's so uh, in line with what we're talking about. There's an episode of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. It's our favorite episode. We literally just watched it the other night. Oh yeah. And it's him. He's a detective in When you say New R, York. are you talking about? Um, Brian and I. You and your my husband. Hu- sorry, guys. Yeah. My husband and I. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. He is... Uh, investigating this homicide but he cannot figure out there's no evidence nothing he brings the dentist in it's the dentist he brings him in um and he is interrogating him and this dentist is on point with his answers he has his story down to a t and he's trying to figure out he wants to lie because he knows it was him he wants to lie and his boss is like no you can't lie because what if what if you're wrong and he knows and then we have nothing we have to let him go and that's it so they're, right. they're arguing back and forth they end up getting a confession at the end after 12 10 you, hours you really should change you, 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 it's funny a, yeah there's a way to do it right yeah you, you, you would say he makes him uncomfortable hey. too one of the things yeah. he did is he made the room so uncomfortable yep. for him yep. he, he tries to go out it's a good episode <laughs> i mean that's what you would it. do you'd say i don't want my friends to get mad at me for telling secrets but you, you would say hey if we were to search your house would we find a gun you know, you just do different things like that. But they're they're searching at the same time. And he said, nope, don't own a gun. He says, well, you know, we're searching your home, and we found a rifle, the huh. same rifle, the same caliber. And he says, oh, I forgot about that one, sir. <laughs> right? So now now the interrogators, they, they have the upper hand, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, yeah, so so they got a gun. So can you imagine the police detectives? Ooh, we got a gun. We got 243. We got a witness. We got him on wire. This thing is, this case is solved. Yeah. So something else he said, it, you know, um, he claimed he told Amy about the murder and to try to scare her. And then so now he's starting to what we call rationalize. He's starting to say, well, I, I said that to her because I wanted to scare her. And then he then he said, this is what he said. This is in quote. I've done a lot of drugs in my life, guys. You know, I've done a lot of stupid things. So they're saying it, it wasn't. 
it wasn't a, a confession, but it was enough to, to charge him for murder. Here, here's the thing. That's where I think they could have went a little bit harder. He's given them an out. He's looking for an out. He's starting to talk. Right? You know, they, bad guys will rationalize why they did something wrong. Just help them. Help them rationalize. I've done a lot of drugs. Oh, so so you were on drugs when you killed Shane Raglan. Oh, yes, I was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you, you, you get them to, to feel like that's a reason that it's okay to do what they did, but they don't realize it. So I, I'm... I would love to see the police report or the notes or the video if they took one of that interview because what did they do at, at that point? You know, what did they do at yeah. that point? I, I sense that we don't have all the information on that one, uh, but I sense that, that they did they, a really they, good job they, in this case. They pressed, they pressed them. If they yeah. didn't, they probably should have. That would be my only critique. You know, at that point, he's looking for an out, you know, because a confession wouldn't be really nice right now. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so. I don't okay. think there's a lot, but. So that is July 14th, right? So fast forward, August 17th, 2000. He is released on bail, paid by his father a million, million dollars. Yeah. How, well, That's the system. So were they, just, that. were they just setting it that high to just hope that he wasn't going to be able to pay that? No, it's, it's murder, you know, so first degree murder, premeditated <laughs> the million bucks. Yeah. So most people can't, right. can't pay that. So his dad could. What? Pocket cash. That's apparently. a lot of that's a lot of love coming from a dad. Yeah, I don't know. I, <laughs> if you killed someone, I'd probably leave you in jail. I, <laughs> I, <laughs> I wouldn't know. expect you. I, I wouldn't know. even call you. <laughs> yeah, that was different. You know, I don't. Yeah. Know. So he is released. He's out until uh, March 11th, 2002, is when the trial begins in Fayette County. So that is like almost two years later. All so right. he's just out right. walking around for two years, almost. Right. So what happens? In between then, the rifle, right? They go and run the ballistics, get mm -hmm. the ballistics, and what happens? So what I read, what I found, is that it wasn't necessarily an exact match, or it was. I was a little confused on that. Nothing. They don't have enough. They don't they have. It wasn't enough. There wasn't enough. The, the bullet fragment. The, the, there just wasn't enough information to say that was the rifle that killed mm -hmm. Trent DeGiro. This is the kind of thing that people don't know. Because they watch all these crime shows where ballistics comes back in about thirty-two seconds, and it's a match, and it's always it's always a match. <laughs> yeah. But I no, you say. so many times you get disappointed with the forensics and, and the lab work. It just it is what it is. There, there wasn't enough fragments were m sort of messed up. It ju they just couldn't tell. It was inconclusive. Is what is what they. I mean, that is what it is. Mm -hmm. So that's a bummer. That means the prosecution has to rely on the witness testimony. Amy Lloyd. Amy Lloyd. That's the number one thing now. Right. And they promised her that she would only have to do this once. So one back time. to what you yep. said earlier about the way they handled it with her. Yep. They promised her she was only going to have to do this once. I mean, her life's in danger now. So mm -hmm. so she goes on that stand to testify. She's saying, he told me he killed Trent DeGiro. Just keep in mind, and, he's still out right and now. Then, and then I worked with. Good, good point, right? Yeah, he's and then, he's out. <laughs> and then I worked with the police to get him on tape, and he suggested that that that's true. So yeah, that's pretty serious. So they probably sat down with her mm -hmm. and talked with her and and said, "We'll protect you." You know, only one time you have to testify is what they said, and they convinced her that she says, "Okay, I'm doing this one time, and then I'm done." Right. And you guys, we're not just sitting here talking about this and you know disrespecting her wishes or anything. That is not her name. <laughs> Yeah, that's, so that's true. That is not <laughs> that's not her name because she's in witness protection, right? Oops, no one. Did, did I, they talk about uh, it on this okay. TV show. That well, no, no one, did we were we ready to say that in this? We'll okay. we'll get there, okay. but yeah, we're. Not, I just want to make it clear because we've talked about how she wants to be yeah. anonymous the whole, the whole time. We're not just being yeah, that's not that. her name. Yeah, she is off the grid. No one, yeah, <laughs> no she's one knows in the who witness protection, and she's she, gone. Yeah, no one can find her. So this is okay that we're yeah. <laughs> talking about this. So, so yeah, he's out, and she is walking around. She is terrified. She wants to be one and done. That's it. So mm -hmm. they have really got to make sure that they okay. nail this on the head. So his trial begins March 11, 2002, and then March 28th, he's convicted of murder. Yep. They come back with a guilty now sentence. Now, they, they, they beat her up bad on the stand, yeah. the, the defense. 
course they attacked. That's probably why I wouldn't do it. Yeah, they. Atta- this is why most people don't do it. Yeah. And and what I thought was cool was the police detectives. You know, on those shows that I watched, the the two that, that aired on regarding this case, the detectives said that she stood up there and she did the most courageous thing, because they. They beat her up about being promiscuous and that kind of thing. I, I don't. They I don't brought her journal. Yeah, yeah, her that journal. That made me so mad. Yeah. No? They made her read her own yeah. words about her and Trent. Yeah, and and they don't write in journals, guys. Right. So, <laughs> Just don't write in well, journals. Well, it's the same thing. You just go to social media, you can find everything Jeez, there. Yeah. So they. Because the defense's job is to discredit this witness. Right. All they have to do is discredit this witness, and Reasonable the jury, doubt. yeah, and the jury is going to be like, "Wow, you know, she, you know." Well, so that's the easiest way to go. That's the easiest way to go, right? You're yeah. you're a, a sleaze or something like that. So, but they they beat her up pretty good, and she stuck to it and stuck by her story, and it passed. And um, yep. And he was convicted. So he is convicted of murder March 28th. April 26th, he is sentenced to 30 years in prison. Yep. 30 years in prison. So What year was this again? This is 2002. 2002. Okay. Right. Yep. So now we're going to fast forward to 2005. So we think it's over. Uh, the girlfriend is... In witness protection. Right. She's <laughs> hidden somewhere else with a new identity, a new like life. done out, right. Done, you know, did my job, feel better about it. Well... I didn't see where it said when she went into witness protection. No, they're not going to those they're, they're right. not going to talk about any of that stuff. So, I tend to believe it was at the end of all this. No, r- right. Cuz if he's in prison. Yeah, once he goes to jail, then they get they got her in right away probably. Right. So, now we're going to skip ahead to March 23rd, 2005. So, it's been 3 years. Everything's good. He's convicted, he's in prison. He is filing all of the appeals. All the right. appeals he can. The Kentucky Supreme Court actually overturns his conviction. Yes. What what did he what was the big reason? What was the appeal? So they cited concerns over questionable ballistics evidence and an FBI investigator not being truthful during pretrial conference about the bal- ballistics, about the the <laughs> gun evidence. Which is amazing because the, the the evidence was inconclusive in, in the first place. So do you see how sometimes so it doesn't even matter? It, it's about the credibility. Right. So what they end up also arguing is that uh, we didn't mention it because it's such a brief. I it's it's not really worth that much talking about. There was for like a brief second another person that they thought maybe. Oh, the the, he was like a big obsessed fan. fan. The obsessed fan. We totally forgot about that. Yeah. He called. So what it was is at the time back in uh, 1994, he called the police when they aired that show right he, with he called he oh said, in 2000 right yeah he called the, he called and when they went he it seemed credible enough to go over and talk to him well, well he he actually had done calculations mathematical calculations about the ballistics and where right. it could have been shot from i mean this was was crazy right so they go to his house and he has like a wall almost like yeah. Like I feel sometimes yeah. <laughs> like this guy like I don't ever want to He was obsessed. Obsessed with the case. Mm-hmm. He even had uh, one like they were he was written on um what are those called? Paper it, plates. The paper plates. He wrote He wrote uh, Trent, Trent, Trent is my twin. Trent is my twin. Yeah. Yeah, he was completely obsessed. So and he also had a 243 rifle. So there was Oh, that was wicked coincidence, right. man. I His can't believe it. His alibi that. also was that he was asleep at home and no yeah. one was really it, so it was like But the, the, the rifle came back as not Right. The it rifle. came back as uh, a similar one but not the exact same one. Right. Right. So that is that's a brief little Yeah, I don't know that that was the I think at the FBI agent's testimony he, he was lying or something. Right. But the what they the defense ends up saying in this with all the appeals and everything is that hey you know the ballistics isn't right on with us. It, you know it still could have been that other guy. He had a two forty three rifle. You guys don't have sound ballistics yeah. proof for this two forty three. They convinced it could have the appeals been. court. Yeah, <laughs> but that FBI agent, man, I tell you what, the the you know going into a court case when you're going to be called to the stand, you know when you're testifying, the defense has one goal to discredit you. That's mm-hmm. what they call it, impeach, imp- right? Impeaching. So you you, you, yeah, you you know that that's what their goal is going into it. There's no there's no other way. I remember testifying for a homicide case. You know they just that's what they do. They go they go after you. A- any little thing that that you try. But if you are clean and you don't do anything wrong. But 
so once your integrity is violated, you'll never testify in court again. Uh, yeah. So, anyways, so okay, so it's overturned. So it's it's overturned. All right. Uh, so that's March twenty third, two thousand five. July thirteenth, two thousand six. Jerry Ragland, which is Shane Ragland's father, will pay another million dollar bond. This man. <laughs> Um, and Shane is released with an ankle monitor pending a new trial. Okay. So. So let's go get that witness back and um and no. put her back on the stand. No, sir. <laughs> they promised her. Uh, they right. promised so, her. So so this is really really neat, right? So now mm -hmm. the prosecutor is faced with my goodness, we cannot. We promised her she's in mm -hmm. witness protection somewhere. We can't do this, and probably it's. Out of the ordinary, a anyway, y y you know what I mean. It's probably out of the ordinary. And, and uh, let's back up for a second. I, I'm wondering if they probably told her, "Look, if he doesn't get convicted, I wonder what they told her. They sh she would have still went into witness protection." Well, that's what I was saying. Is I tend to think that maybe she didn't go into the witness protection program until after this, until the until no, no, was no. She was no, she was already in before they put her in before. Yeah, before because. The, the appeal, because so now they're the prosecutor's faced with, I, I can't. What are we gonna do? I can't. We can't get that witness back out. Yeah. You know, we we promised her. We need to honor that because here's what's more uh, devastating for the prosecute prosecution uh, office. If people find out that they pulled her back out and then danger her life and no this one side, but nobody's ever gonna come yeah. forward. Nobody's ever gonna um, be witnesses. So that 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 would be a problem. But I. That uh, they're probably motivated by that, but also they did a good job. They protected her. So, all right. So what? Yeah. What? Did, how'd they figure this out then? So, July twenty seventh, two thousand seven. So another year. So he has been out for a year. Ankle monitor on and everything. Prosecutors are going to offer him a plea deal. Plea. He will plead guilty to second degree manslaughter and leave the courtroom a free man. Okay, but guilty plea is is guilty plea. He did it. They, he's convicted. He's a convicted felon. Right. But time served, right? Right. He, they were going to, it was eight like eight years. or six years, yeah. but time served. So So he did eight years for murder. And then like the probation sure. years or whatever. Well, you know, I, the prosecutors <laughs> have it as a win yeah. again, but they to protect the witness. Now they did talk to his family, Trent DeGiro's family about this uh -huh. too. So, you know, and they explained to him. We're not, <laughs> we're not going to have another witness. Yeah, we're, we're not going to have, a, exactly. And, and they probably said, okay, let's, all right. Right. But Trent DeGiro's family, I know we've talked about civil lawsuits. Yeah, they went <laughs> after him. They sued. Yeah, he's he basically said that, you know, fine, you're out, but you're not going to live a rich, it, lavish so lifestyle. I'm willing to bet the prosecutor told him, too, hey, look, yeah. a guilty plea is evidence for your civil suit. <laughs> So, right. right. So a guilty plea says <coughs> he's responsible for the death of his son. So that's almost a no brainer in the civil suit. On August 19th, 2008. So another year later, mm -hmm. the DeGiros are awarded sixty three point three million dollars in a wrongful death lawsuit that they filed against him. He didn't even bother to show up to this court date, by the way. Mm -hmm. um, and then when I was reading through their, the appeals, he was actually trying to like push this back he was trying to say that th there was uh back and forth on the dates of like his conviction like the guilty conviction mm -hmm. and the civil lawsuit so he was trying to bounce those off of each other and say that it was like wrong that they did the lawsuit when they did or whatever but uh they award them the money to the de juros good so they yep. won their civil lawsuit good luck getting it from this loser <laughs> so <laughs> He actually, uh, I don't want to like, you know, spread out. Like, I don't want to like highlight him, but you know, karma is really a thing, mm -hmm. and I have appreciated reading about the karma that this man yeah. has endured. So yeah, he's out. He he does move to Pennsylvania because in the state of Pennsylvania, it is illegal to garnish garnish wages. So yeah, that's a bummer. Yeah, that is that that is a bummer. But he has not had a jail-free life <laughs> since this he has been in trouble with the law three times now he did spend 90 days in jail he uh, was involved in a hit and run where he hit a telephone pole and mailbox while drunk driving mm. he blew a ridiculous amount on the little breathalyzer thing uh, so and then he got into a car accident and was paralyzed and is in a wheelchair uh, that's you know some karma yeah. for him yep but he yeah, I, like I'm really glad that the ex-girlfriend is in witness protection because he is just not mm. a good dude. He has been involved with some domestic violence, threatening to kill his girlfriend. Uh -huh. 
in 2014. So. So that's interesting because you know we've been doing a lot of cases on DNA and and there's just this was no DNA situation. It was just right. It was what um bullet ballistics and witness testimony. So hopefully we shed some light on that kind of evidence today so yeah and i'm glad that we can say that the lexington police department you know did what they Mm -hmm. could for amy lloyd and they held up their end of the bargain all right so what about trent DeGiro? what's his legacy now his family actually created the trent DeGiro foundation they raise money to be able to make contributions to multiple different educational scholarships in trent's name Currently, they are awarding scholarships to a University of Kentucky walk-on football player who exemplifies Trent's determination and tenacity. So that's really awesome. That's awesome, yeah. Uh, there's also a student-athlete scholarship to a graduation senior, graduating senior at each of the high schools in Oldham County, Kentucky, which I think there was like four or five of them. Oh, that's good. You can actually make donations directly on their website and read a little bit more about the whole foundation and Trent and their mission. Good. And I'll put that up on the Instagram page also. It's just TrentDeGiroFoundation.org. So that's pretty awesome. Excellent. Well, another one, Hannah. That was that was a pretty good case. Really sad mm-hmm. and infuriating. Yeah. But I'm glad and we were able to yeah, shed the some system. light on yeah, the foundation. He, so he pled guilty. I mean, that I like that. You know, he yeah. got away with murder, I guess. He didn't get away with it, but he <coughs> didn't get punished for it necessarily is what people are going to say. So Right. He's, right. Not, he's not serving the 30 years that... They were given to him. So, like I said, karma. So. All right. Uh, yeah. So, thank you guys for listening again this week. We have been really enjoying putting out this podcast for you guys. If you would like to follow us for more updates, some behind the scenes, sneak peeks, you know, maybe some talk about bonus content, you can follow us on Instagram at True Crime Archives Podcast. And then if you really do enjoy listening to us, if you can rate and review the podcast on Apple Podcasts, we would really appreciate it. We love to hear feedback from you guys, hear what you think. You can also do that on anchor.fm and leave messages. Yeah, just just spread the word if you like us. Mm-hmm.